0: Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. We are live right now across YouTube, Facebook and Twitch. Uh, Big hello to everybody who had joined us previously. Uh, We had some technical issues. Um, It was my fault because what happened was I basically started the stream um, without checking the internet connection only to find that it wasn't good enough and the picture was pixelated and the audio wasn't very good and people were talking about it um, in in the chat box, which made me feel like I needed to scrap it and start again so that we could have a nice, clear, clean stream for those of you who tune in. And as uh, GB says in the chat, ah, the growing pains of a new studio setup. Yeah, do you know what it is? It's me forgetting that I've changed the setup and I need to do certain things before I go live now. I promise we'll iron those issues out over the next few days. But delighted to be with you all now, delighted to be with all of you live. And a big hello, of course, to those of you who will be watching or listening to this back uh, at a later time, later date. Uh, We're going to spend some time today discussing some of the individual performances in Mikel Arteta's squad up until this point in the season. I feel like an international break is normally a good place to kind of pause. It's a natural pause in the season. It gives you an opportunity to kind of take a step back and reflect a little bit on, uh, on individual performances. And that is exactly what we're going to be doing here On this episode, we're going to be focusing on the defence. Later on today, we'll be bringing you another live stream where I'll be joined by Metro Sports' Mike Stavrou to talk through the midfield and the attack. But on this episode, as I say, we're focusing solely on the defence. And I think this could be, even though we're only focusing on one element of the team, it could be a very juicy episode, right? Because this has been probably the standout part of Arsenal's team so far this season. It's been the bit that's made a lot of people kind of stand back and go, whoa, you know, maybe we are on the right path. For me, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Arsenal are not a side at the moment that are blowing teams out of the water, blowing teams out of the park. But what Arsenal are doing is being incredibly difficult to beat, incredibly stubborn defensively. And that has put us in a really good position from which we're able or we've been able to go on and win football matches, something that we couldn't do at the start of the season, at the very start of the season. We won't go over that all of that again, but just to reiterate the point that defensively, Arsenal have probably been at their best this season. And it's worth focusing on on this edition of the podcast. Before we dive into the defence and before we start to talk about some of the individuals involved, uh, I just wanted to bring you guys an update with regards to the fitness of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Now, we have talked about it. On one of yesterday's episodes, we touched on the fact that there were contradicting reports about what exactly the situation with Aubameyang was. We heard some reports that he had left international duty and returned to London due to having picked up an injury. And there were other reports telling us that there was a uh, pre-agreement put in place between the Gabonese FA and Arsenal about when exactly Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang would return. Now, Charles Watts um, of Goal, who's a, a very good journalist, very well respected within the Arsenal community, has today reported that Pierre Emerick Aubameyang was training at London Colney today and that his return was indeed pre-planned and that he will be fine for the trip to Anfield. So that is obviously positive news and I'm delighted because I must say yesterday in kind of where I should have been feeling really excited and happy about the fact that the Premier League is coming back, I was feeling a little bit downbeat about the fact that We were going to go to Anfield and we were going to play a team, you know, right at the top of the Premier League, a team that people, uh, you know, see as, as title contenders. And it was going to be an opportunity for us to, you know, show where we're at and show that there has been some progress over the last few months and we were going to have to do it with probably two of our best players missing. No update on Thomas Partey, though, because there are some of you asking in the chat box. No update on him as of yet, but we're hoping the fact that he didn't travel uh, to uh, Africa to play for Ghana during this break means that he'll be in good shape and at least recover in time uh, for the game. So, you know, we're yet to get the injury news. I think we'll have a probably a better indication tomorrow when Mikel Arteta faces the media, although I expect him to say we will see um we'll see how the boys train etc etc but i think knowing that pierre emerick Obamiang at least is fit is a is a big boost for me anyway i know not everybody shares that view but i do think he's been very very important to our relative success of late and so i'm delighted that he is likely to be available i also agree though with those of you that are saying Partey is more impo- important than Bamiang. yeah I, I don't disagree with that at all um Right let's uh, let's begin then our player reviews starting with the backline and we're going to start off with the goalkeepers now as i said um on the last stream i don't know if i uh, if i said it in this one or the last one i can't remember but basically in order to do this and in order to be fair in my player ratings i've decided to set a bit of a criteria around who Uh, we can give ratings to and who we're going to just basically leave alone. Uh, What we've decided or I've decided is that I'm only going to include players in this that have made three Premier League appearances or more. We've seen other players, particularly right at the start of the season, have to come into the side and, uh, you know, fill holes and, and fill positions. But for me, I think it's only fair that we judge players that have had enough game time, I guess, to... To show something, enough game time for us to have a, a fair and valid opinion on. So we'll start off with the goalkeepers and we're going to start with Burn Leno. Um, Bern Leno has made three appearances in the Premier League this season. Uh, he conceded nine goals in those first three appearances. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that Bern Leno was responsible for Arsenal conceding those goals. I'm not going to sit here and say that Bern Leno was really, really bad in the opening weeks of the season. I just feel that my I've kind of got issues with Burn Leno that I've had for a long, long time that have just continued and, and he's never really done enough, in my opinion, to kind of prove me wrong or to make me want to change my mind. So when it comes to Bern Leno, my mind was already made up. I must admit I didn't think that Aaron Ramsdale would come in and do so well and we'll come on to talk about him in just a moment. But in terms of Burn Leno, I think a fair rating to give him out of 10 based on the first three Premier League games of the season and then taking into consideration some of those cut performances is probably a six. I think he's made some good saves, as Bern Leno always does. I think he's, um, you know, shown flashes of, of his brilliance and flashes as to why he is where he is in his career and why he has been Arsenal's number one for some time now, prior to obviously Aaron Ramsdale coming in and taking that. Uh, position, but I guess the performances of Aaron Ramsdale have really shone a light on so many shortcomings that Burn Leno has in his game. And for me, one of the big ones is is the failure to dominate the penalty area. I think Aaron Ramsdale's come in and been incredibly vocal, incredibly proactive in that sense. And uh, as a result of that, we're now seeing uh, the defense as a whole. Improved dramatically and i think that the goalkeeping situation has played a big part in this but having said that we were without so many players in those first three fixtures we were beaten by chelsea we were beaten by um by manchester city we were beaten by brentford who had a good game on the night i don't think that you can pin all of that on burn leno and that's why i've probably been maybe in some people's eyes a little bit kind uh, to Burn Leno in terms of my rating. But I'm going to give him a 6 out of 10 in terms of how he started the season because the game time has been limited. He was... The games he got in the Premier League were games in which we as a team performed incredibly poorly. Um... And I, but I don't think him not being in the side now is necessarily because he was so bad in those first three weeks. It's because when Aaron Ramsdale was given the chance, and credit to Mikel Arteta for having the balls to do it and sticking his neck out on the line by bringing him in, I think you have to say that Bern Leno not being in the side now is more down to Aaron Ramsdale being so good than Bern Leno being so bad. So, Uh, You know, that's why I can't give him lower than a six. I don't think he's a great goalkeeper. I do think he's got a lot of faults. I do think he's got a lot of shortcomings. Uh, But for me, I'm going to give Bern Leno a six out of 10 uh, based on his performances so far this season. And although I'm only including players that have played in the Premier League three times or more, I am going to take into consideration what he's done in the Cups as well. And I think he's been quite good. In the cup competitions. I think he made some good saves against Leeds, if I remember correctly, um, in that last round as well. So yeah, six out of 10. Let me know your ratings in the chat. Make sure you throw your ratings in as I go through mine and I'll read out some of them. Put some reasoning in there for me too, if you like, and I'll get through as many of those as possible. Ashish says uh, six is very kind to Bern Leno. He's been bang average this season. Uh, Don Saki says Leno is a five out of 10 for me. Patrick's gone five out of 10 as well. So yeah, we're all around about the five, six mark, right? My final rating is, is six out of 10 because maybe I'm paying uh too much attention to or giving too much credence to the fact that I thought the team he was playing in at the start of the season was abysmal and I don't think that although he conceded nine in his first three appearances I don't think that that was down to Burn Leno necessarily could he have done better in some situations maybe probably uh but I think yeah I think a six is fair. Caps agrees with me. He says Defoe is six for Leno. He's a great shot stopper. He is that. Yeah, for sure. And look, I'll tell you what, you won't find many better second choice goalkeepers in the Premier League right now than Burn Leno. Uh, I'm, although I'm sure he's not happy being second choice, but that's the reality of Arsenal's situation at the moment. Uh, Omar's given him a five. Let's move on and let's talk about uh, another goalkeeper. And that goalkeeper is, of course, Aaron Ramsdale, who I mentioned just there in passing. I've talked about how important I think he's been to Arsenal's uh, relative success of late. I talked about the fact that I think that Aaron Ramsdale has shone a light on so many of Burn Leno's shortcomings. He dominates his penalty area. He um, is very, very vocal, very, very good communicator. I don't think many of us envisaged him coming into the side and having the impact that he has and having that impact so quickly. So you need to give him a lot of praise for that. He's managed five clean sheets in eight Premier League appearances, which is not to be sniffed at at all. But we always talk about Burn Leno being a really great shot stopper and why that maybe puts him up in front of a lot of other goalkeepers. Well, Aaron Ramsdale has proven that he's just as good a shot stopper um, as Bern Leno, but he also brings you so much more. So I think that you've got to be pleased and and positive about Aaron Ramsdale's contribution so far. And as a result of that, I'm going to give Aaron Ramsdale a nine out of 10. I just don't give tens. It's as simple as that. Uh, but he's been as close to flawless as you can expect anybody to be, um, you know, in his in his first eight Premier League appearances for the Gunners. Had that moment, didn't he, against Watford where he came rushing out and he missed the ball? OK, you know, these things happen. Fortunately, that time we weren't punished for it. But I just think the impact that this guy's had has been incredible. And the fact that the fans are speaking so highly of him already so early in his tenure It's just telling, isn't it? It tells you that he's brought a real kind of, uh, you know, mood change to that back line. He's constantly in communication with Gabriel, with White, with his fullbacks. I think his distribution has been incredibly brave and has helped us at times to break lines. The fact that he plays a lot higher up the pitch than than Bern Leno in terms of his starting position has allowed our defence to push up that little bit more and try and squeeze people into smaller areas, which then makes your press more effective. I just think his arrival and his impact has had such a great knock-on effect in so many areas of the team. And, you know, individually, he's been great too. I think anything less than a nine feels incredibly harsh for Aaron Ramsdale. So that's what I am going to give him. And I can see lots of you in the chat are agreeing with that. Um Omar's gone with a nine. Patrick's gone with a nine. Jonathan, nine. Um Johan's gone with a nine on Aaron Ramsdale. Ashish says, Ramsdale, nine out of 10. The question remains, can he perform consistently? Yeah, of course. You know, that's the big question. And can he do this over a, a longer period of time is what the sceptics will say. But we can only judge him on what we've seen so far, right? And and what we have seen so far has been incredibly impressive. So I think we have to, you know, I think you're right, Ashish, to bring up that question. You know, can he... Um, can he continue this throughout the course of the season? Look, there will be peaks and troughs, right? I've said it already about Aaron Ramsdale in previous episodes of the podcast. He will have moments where he's going to make mistakes. The nature uh, of which he he plays and, and the way in which he operates as a goalkeeper means he takes risks and he takes a lot more risks than somebody like, for example, Bern Leno. And I think that has lots of positives. It can have some negative connotations as well. But I think in Mikel Arteta's eyes, the risks that he takes and the benefit that we get from those risks, i.e. the braver distribution, i.e. the playing higher up, I think the pros of that outweigh the cons, but that doesn't mean there won't be any cons and there won't be points in the season. Well, we're sitting there going, oh, Aaron, what have you done there? But I think overall, he's, he's been fantastic so far this season. Uh, Cap says Ramsdale, nine. I'd agree with that. So impressed with him. He's been absolutely amazing. Um, Steve Stone says Ramsdale would have got a 10, especially for giving it to the Leicester fans. But him giving me a heart attack against Watford means I drop him down to the nine. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um Omar says, Harry, all is rosy for Ramsdale at the moment, but I want to see what he is like once we inevitably lose and he has a bad game. How will he react? Does he have the mental strength to come back? Look, I understand that question and I understand why people are reluctant to get carried away and why people maybe want to see Aaron Ramsdale, uh, you know, have a difficult moment and then have to bounce back from that to kind of really judge his character and really judge how mentally strong he is. The one thing I would say is don't forget that in Aaron Ramsdale, you're talking about somebody that was relegated from the Premier League twice. And I think if he didn't have that self-confidence and didn't have that self-belief, it would have been very easy for Aaron Ramsdale's confidence to take a massive dip and a massive knock. And while Arsenal have obviously showed a lot of confidence in him, in paying what they've paid for him and bringing him to the club and then giving him the number one spot, that isn't just on the club. You know that mental resilience and and belief in himself comes from him, and it, and it, and that is a, a testament to the guy's character. So, I, I get what you're saying. I do think that we're going to see a moment or a you know a, a dip from Aaron Ramsdale at some point, and it will be very interesting to see how he bounces back, how he responds from that. But what I would say is this: if you get relegated twice in back to back seasons, and then you join a club like Arsenal it's probably really easy to to kind of curl up in your show and, and not want to take risks and feel like you really need to focus on rebuilding your reputation. And, and by being safer, that means you can do that quicker. However, in Ramsdale's case, he's not let that phase him. He's not let that define him. He's not thought about it. He's not worried about it. Um, And he's just got on with his job and, and he's done his job brilliantly. And he's growing week on week for me. So I think while you're right, we're going to have to wait and see how he goes. But, um, you know, it, there's a lot of encouraging signs there in terms of his mental strength and his ability to bounce back from disappointments, I would say. Uh, Marshall Ayub, who's not even an Arsenal fan, um, but welcome anyway, says uh, I would give him a nine and a half. Julian says nine and a half. Anakrit says nine out of ten. Uh, let's see if we've got any more uh, ratings. Um Pat Moyle says when your goalkeeper is man of the match, it means he's earning his money. If our defence improves and he only gets one save a match, that will test his mental strength. But I still give him nine. Yeah, for sure. You know, we always talk about that, don't we? The the best goalkeepers um, are the ones that can do very little for 90 minutes and then pop up and make a uh, a match winning save. And, and that is obviously something different and, and something that hopefully we'll, we'll see Aaron Ramsdale have to work on a little bit later on if Arsenal it, it become a little bit more dominant. Um, but yeah, completely agree. Right, let's go back uh, and continue working our way through the defence. And let's start with Kieran Tierney. Now, this was a difficult one for me. I was sitting there this morning and just jotting down my, my ratings for the players that we're going to discuss. And I was a little bit... Um, I was a little bit torn on this one. I didn't really know what to give Kieran Tierney because, again, like so many of these players, he started off the season in a really, really poor Arsenal side. Um, the team has improved. That's not necessarily coincided with an upturn in Kieran Tierney's individual form, though. I would say, look, I don't think tierney has been bad because Kieran Tierney very rarely is bad. Actually, Kieran Tierney is someone who brings a really... Uh, consistent level of performance to the table week in, week out. But what I would say is this, I don't think he's been anywhere near his brilliant best. And I think there's a lot more that we need, we can see from Kieran Tierney. Injuries, again, have played their part. You know, he, he was out for a couple of weeks. Nuno Tavares came in, did very, very well. In my opinion, probably should stay in the team until things change. Um, because I, I'm very big on this whole idea of, of it being a meritocracy, people playing because they deserve to play. And when people get their opportunities, if they take them, there's no reason that you should then bin them out and take them out of the team. And I think with, with Nuno Tavares, that is uh, certainly the the point. We'll come on to talk about him in a bit. But going back to Tierney, I don't know how long this injury thing was, was a problem for him. I don't know how long this injury thing was ongoing. Um, and I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of, why maybe his performance levels dropped. But I think they have dropped and I think they've dropped significantly. I think you probably don't notice it so much defensively because as a unit, we've been quite solid and we've been a lot more cohesive and a lot more stubborn. And Gabriel and White's partnership, along with Takehiro Tomiyasu coming in on the right, has almost maybe covered up Kieran Tierney's dip in form. But it's going forward, I think, where you really notice it. And I think there's been a couple of fixtures recently where he's, um, you know, he's he's attacked down that left-hand side, as we know he likes to do, and as we know Arsenal like him to do, and he's been a bit hesitant. He's been a bit reluctant to just go that extra mile to take the player on, to try and get to the byline, to try and make something happen. Maybe he's put crosses into the box earlier than he normally would because of a lack of confidence. I, I don't know what it is, but I can't give Tierney anything more than a 6 out of 10 at this moment in time. That's not to say that he's not one of Arsenal's best players, because when he's fit, when he's firing, when he's on form, we all know he is. But there's no question for me that Tierney's form has been below what we've come to expect from him in recent times. And so a 6, I feel, is probably fair. Um, you know, he's one of those players, and I talk about a few players, don't I, in this same light as as being concerns for me because of their fitness records. I don't want players that are constantly injured. I don't want players that you can't rely on, not just in terms of their level of performance, but in terms of their fitness. I think it's so, so important to have a settled backline, especially more than any other position on the pitch. I think the backline and the centre and midfield are the two areas in which you need that understanding. And so, yeah, I am concerned. I am worried about you know, the frequency with Rich Kieran breaks down, but I'm not worried that when he is fit and when he does get to that level again, that he won't be able to turn it back on because we know he's capable. So six out of 10 for Kieran for me, and I'm going to take uh, some of your thoughts on that one. Omar's gone with a five. Tuco says five, but he'll be back because he's got a strong mentality. As she says, seven out of 10 for KT. We're fortunate we've got two decent left-backs over after a long time uh gb says kt really has not been near his best i also don't think he's had that tavares slash esr partnership dynamic in games uh what else have we got um Sam says six out of 10. I'm worried about Katie's injuries. Just glad Nuno has been able to step in and perform. Although I do feel we miss Katie's deliveries from the left hand side. Uh, Kebab says he has been quite average for the standards he has set since he joined us. But I'll give him a five out of five or possibly a six out of 10. So we're around about the six mark. I think it's probably the the you know, the general consensus. Don Saki says, KT is a six. You're spot on, Harry. The best ability is availability. He's not available most of the time. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. Uh, Julian says, I also think he was a six really hard to agree as I'm a huge fan. And I think when he played, he was playing in a poor side, right? Um, Before we move on, I just want to say a massive, massive thank you to Daniel for your very, very kind Super Chat donation, mate. Thank you so, so much. It is very, very much appreciated. Um, Really, really does help the channel. And he just wants to give a shout-out to Omar, uh, one of our regulars. Omar, hope you're good man. Um, Shout-out there from Daniel to you, my friend. He says you're a real dedicated gooner. So uh, thank you so much, Daniel. And, of course, as always, uh, a big shout-out to... um, to uh, Omar as well in the chat box. Right, let's, uh, let's move on. Actually, before we move on, let me just quickly remind you, let me just quickly prompt you that if you haven't done so already, please do hit that like button on the video. It really, really does help. There's over 125 of you uh, watching right now, uh, but we've only got 28 likes on YouTube. Let's try and get that up to 50 for the time being as soon as possible. It helps massively. It helps me. It helps the channel. It gets the video out to more people and uh, it works with the algorithm. So yeah, please, uh, please do so if you haven't done so already. Also subscribe to the channel if you're new. We'd love to have you on board. If you want to go one further and become a member, you can do so by clicking on the link in the description as well. Right, let's uh, continue working our way through Arsenal's defence and uh, let's move on to Ben White. Ben White, Arsenal's new central defensive acquisition. £50 million it cost us to bring the former Brighton man to the Emirates Stadium. And although he started off a little bit uh, poorly, and I know there was question marks about him right at the start of the season, I think this lad has gone a long, long way in convincing people that he was a good investment in the last few weeks. Ben White, of course... um, You know, he came into that Brentford game, he'd recovered from COVID and he he didn't look quite right. He also had Pablo Marie next to him and I didn't think he was uh, at the races necessarily that day. I think he he faced a very unique challenge against Brentford in that Ivan Toni and Mbwemo were playing as a central striking partnership and were very, very dominant and physical in the air. Um, I think this lad has grown. I think he brings a real calmness to the back line, a calmness that we just haven't had for such a long time. And so, you know, I've been really, really pleased with him. And I think that his performances have got better and better. I'm I'm really liking his reading of the game. I think at Leicester, especially, you saw a lot of that where Leicester were trying to hit balls over the top, looking maybe for the runs of Jamie Vardy or others. And Ben White often just, you know, didn't panic, didn't lose the flight of the ball, didn't turn and start running back towards his goal in a fluster, but he read the situations. He got himself in the right positions, had the foresight to see what Leicester City were trying to do. And he cleaned up a lot of those balls. So I was really, really uh, pleased with him uh, against Leicester, but I've been pleased with him overall, to be honest, since that start to the season, which we've talked about those reasons time and time again. So I'm not going to go in on that, but I want to give Benjamin White. I should say Benjamin White. I'm still struggling to get used to that. I want to give him a seven and a half out of 10. Um, I think that's a fair rating for Benjamin White because, as I say, there were a few moments. There were a few games where I didn't think he was as convincing as I'd have liked. Brentford being one of them, I didn't think he was very convincing um, at Burnley away at times. And, and again, you know, Burnley offer a very unique challenge in the way that they play football and the way that they attack. I think, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Ben White because I think he's done, as I say, very, very well to put that behind him and settle and, and get into a rhythm and get into a flow and establish himself as a very, very important part of this team. But I think you've got to give Mikel Arteta some credit in the development of Ben White here and in the way that he's um You know, turn that form around because there have been times where I think it's been very deliberate to push Takahiro Tomiyasu against certain opponents closer to Ben White and almost say to him, uh, to Tomiyasu, you're going to be there to be um, on hand. For when Ben White loses out on those aerial duels, because he he will at times, you know, he's not. I know when you look at the stats, he's very effective in aerial duels, but there will be certain players of a much bigger, stronger physical uh, build up that he will struggle to contend with and struggle to deal with in the air. I think that Takahiro Tomiyasu playing as an inverted right back has really helped here, and he has tucked in at times. And, uh, and helped Ben White out and almost doubled up on some of those players so that if you don't win the first ball, you can then win the second ball. Also, you have to consider as well that Ben White, and it's a good point raised by Sam in the chat, it's taken him some time to adjust from playing as part of a back three at Brighton um, and being able to have that little bit more freedom in terms of stepping out into the midfield with the ball or stepping out to press. You know, at Arsenal, we play with a four And it's very, very different. And that is always a big uh, transition for players as well, especially in the centre-back position. So as I say, seven and a half for me uh, is probably a fair rating Um, for Benjamin White. Let's see what some of you guys are saying. Uh, Steve says that seven out of 10. uh, Sojo Sododo, great name, says that seven out of 10. Uh, Sam says 7.9 out of 10. Uh, Don says he's a solid eight. Daniel says 7.94421 slash out of 10. Let me rephrase that. 7.94421 out of 10. Very specific and precise. Uh, Julian says 7 out of 10. Keen to see how this week goes at Anfield. Um, Omar's gone with an eight. Also, big hello uh, to the wandering minstrel as well, uh, who's joined us. Hope you're well, man. Um, And uh, yeah. Uh good to see you in the chat box as always. Uh let's move on um let's see who else we're going to who else we're going to tackle. Let's tackle the next one which is Takahiro Tomiyasu. Let's do Takahiro Tomiyasu. He's next on my list so let's talk about the uh, Japanese defender and the impact he has had since arriving from Bologna in Serie A. Um I think with this one what you find is in football you find players that are incredibly naturally talented and when i mean incredibly talented i mean technically amazing physically wonderful i think with i think with takahiro tomiyasu and and i don't mean this to sound as i'm not as though i'm not praising him or i'm not um you know giving him the credit that he's due because i do think he's a he's a fantastic player and i think he's brought a lot to the team but with this, I feel like a lot of this is just the fact that he is a perfect, perfect fit. He fits the system. He fits the team. He fits the back line. He, his profile is just perfect. And this is another transfer that the club deserve a lot of praise for. Because this is someone who's coming. It was clear from very early on in Mikel Arteta's tenure that the role for his right back is slightly different to what he expects of a left back. I've called us lopsided as a team in the past because I feel like the right back is given far more defensive responsibility in this system, whereas the left back is given that freedom to push up the pitch. And what Mikel's done really well is recognise that you can't have both fullbacks bombing on the way. Venga did, the way Emery did, because it leaves us defensively exposed. Not only does it expose the back line, it exposes the midfield as well, because when they vacate those positions, the likes of Partey or Le Conga or Xhaka or whoever it is, has to then cover a wider area of the pitch. What I like about Takahiro Tomiyasu, as I say, is he's the perfect fit to what it is that Arsenal are looking to do at right back. He's very quick across the ground, which Is obviously very important as a fullback. He's very good in the air, which allows him, as I explained earlier, to help Ben White out on the right side of the centre-back pairing. He's also not somebody that teams are going to try and play in behind with long balls because of his aerial presence, but also because of that pace across the ground, which I've mentioned. He's capable of stepping forward. Um, he's adapted, and, and perhaps this is the most impressive thing about Takiro Tomiyasu, is the speed at which he's adapted to the physical nature of the Premier League. One of my concerns about Takiro Tomiyasu when we signed him was not whether he's good enough. You you play in Serie A as a defender, and you earn plaudits, it's because you're a good bloody defender. But I was worried about the physical transition. I was worried about how long it would take him to get up to speed with the Premier League. But to his credit, from the day he walked into the team, he looked like he'd been playing in the Premier League all his life. And I think he's he's done wonderfully well. Um, there have been a few tough patches. There have been a few moments. Um, I thought at Brighton away, he had a difficult time, particularly in the first half. Again, how much of that is down to the team not playing well enough is is up for debate. But... I think for me, um, when you look at what he's brought to the team overall, he's brought a solidity to the right-back position. If I had one criticism of Takehiro Tomiyasu, it's that I think when he gets forward, he doesn't really give you that much quality. Um, and I think he's a much better defender than he is um, than he is a, an attacker. Um, and I guess, you know, that makes sense because... Or that's what you want as a manager, um, you know. I, I don't. I don't really know where to kind of where to conclude on this one because I, I'm a real big fan of Takiro Tomiyasu, but I also recognise he has limitations. I guess the counterpoint to that is are those limitations going to be exposed in this current system? And up until now, probably say no. So, yeah, I think you, you've got to be positive about him. I think a fair rating, similarly to that of Ben White, would be a 7.5 out of 10 uh, for Takahiro Tomiyasu. And again, not criticising him, but I would have liked to have seen him offer a little bit more when he gets into those forward positions on on the odd occasion. And also, there's been a few patches where he's looked under pressure and he looks as though he struggled. Um And that's why I'm, you know, I I can't give him more than seven and a half. But overall, very, very positive assessment. Again, uh, let's see uh, what we've got uh, from you guys. Uh, Wondery Minstrel has gone for eight. Jonathan's gone for eight and a half. Says he's adapted from a different league seamlessly. Yeah, that's probably the most impressive thing. Uh, Sam's gone with eight. He says, was underwhelmed by the signing, but he's been very reliant and consistent. That's really important, isn't it, Um, Sam, that point? Because I think as Arsenal fans, we do that quite a bit, don't we? We jump to conclusions about signings. I think we did it a few times um, this this summer. You know, we did it with Aaron Ramsdale and look at us now. Uh, We're ranting and raving about how great he's been. Um, You know, we... We probably felt that way with Tomiyasu and again, he's he's proven a lot of people wrong. And sometimes it just, it comes as a bit of a reminder to us, doesn't it? As fans and as people who cover the club or talk about the club regularly, that sometimes our knowledge is not as in-depth as we'd like it to be. You know, YouTube doesn't teach you all and we have to understand that and we probably have to do better in making sure that we don't create these negative atmospheres and auras around players that are coming into the club when, in truth, we don't know very much about them. I'd seen Takahiro Tomiyasu play a few times in the Serie A, but I don't watch Bologna every week. You know, if they were playing against one of the big boys, I would probably would have caught him and I would have had a good look um, at what he was doing and, and how he was performing. And I started to look at him a little bit more when those links to the Premier League first emerged. But of course, those links were initially to Tottenham Hotspur. But you're right. You know, it, it was one of those signings. You looked at it at the beginning and wasn't very kind of excited about it. But now we're seeing um, that he is uh, he is coming good. And also, as well, probably one of the the most important things, as as Wandering Minstrel points out, is the player's flexibility. I mean, not only is he a very competent fullback. If we were to Lose Ben White to injury, for example. I think I'd feel more confident about Tommy Tomiyasu slotting in the centre back than I would in calling upon Pablo Marie or Rob Holding. And I genuinely feel like that. So that shows that this was a really, really good sign in. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Caps has gone uh, eight for Tomiyasu. He says he can play anywhere across the back, but let's have a look when he plays against the bigger teams. Uh, lots of around the seven and a half, eight mark. But Messi has gone with a six and a half. He says he's been nervous at times, although defensively strong. Uh, what else have we got? Lots of uh, lots of uh, comments on the Japanese international. Uh, Ashish says, defensively, no complaints at all. But as a fullback, he needs to improve going forward as well. So a seven for Tommy. Yeah, I, I think he that's the limitation, isn't it? And I keep using that term. I don't mean to use it as a derogatory term or I don't mean to put the player down, but I do feel like there is just that little something missing from him being a complete fullback. But if he was the complete fullback, he'd be one of the best in the world, right? And you don't get the best in the world for 17, 18 million pounds or whatever it was we paid for him, not straight away anyway. So um, that's Takehiro Tomiyasu, seven and a half out of 10. Let's move on and talk about uh, a man who has been A man mounting at the heart of arsenal's defense and that is gabriel i mean we've waxed lyrical so much this summer about the new signings and or or so much this season i should say about the new signings and the impact they've had this is a guy who's been at the club had that time to settle in now had a season last season disrupted by injuries and covid and various other things is now in a place where we're seeing the best of him. And I think that Gabriel has been Arsenal's best defender from the day he walked back into the side. And again, you know, we talk about players that have already been at the club. This was a Mikel Arteta and Edu signing, remember. So they deserve a lot of praise for this one as well, because he really is starting to look like the real deal. He's looking more and more comfortable technically. He's looking more and more at home in the Premier League with Arsenal. He's a colossus of a man. Um, Physically, he's like a brick wall. He's great in the air. He contributes goals at the other end of the pitch as well, Um, you know, with his kind of physical prowess and and willingness to attack the ball. I just think that, I know we talked a lot about, at the start of the season, about what this team would look like, um, you know, when everybody was fit and everybody was available. And there was a lot of kind of what aboutery there and what you know, what might we see and, and let's try and predict what we might see. But of all the players that have come back and really improved the team, he has been for me the standout one. And he's he's so so important um to this to this Arsenal side. That the partnership with Ben White, as I mentioned when I was talking about Ben White, is developing all the time. And for someone whose English is, from what we're told, very, very limited, you've you got to say he's done a wonderful job of communicating effectively with those around him. He, um, he he's, he's really quick across the ground. He's a lot more comfortable, I would say, with the ball at his feet than he was when we first signed him. And I think that's important. I think he's he's obviously developed in that sense and uh, learned a bit more about the Mikel Arteta way. And, and I think he's embraced it. And I think he's massive. I think he's so important. I think he's he's Arsenal's most important defender. I'd go as far as saying that right now. And so Gabriel for me, um, I'm gonna give him a nine. I can't remember him putting a foot wrong. Genuinely. Um, he's a wonderful, wonderful center back. And when you think about what we paid for him now, and, and you think about the other clubs that were involved in that chase and pursuit of the player, it's looking like an absolute steal. So delighted with what I've seen of Gabriel so far this season. And um Yeah, buzzing. Now, if you are joining us a little bit late, just to reiterate, I'm only rating players that have had at least three or more appearances in the Premier League this season. That's the criteria I decided to go with because I didn't want to spend time talking about people that have played once or twice and have been in there uh, due to injuries to others. I wanted to focus on the core of our defensive unit. And so that means I've only got two players left uh, to run through. That is Nuno Tavares who will come on to next. And then finally, Cedric Suarez, who has played three times in the Premier League this season. Yes. So uh, he fits the bill. He fits the criteria. And we'll talk a little bit about the Portuguese defender in just a moment. But before we do that, I just want to um remind you that if you haven't done so already please do hit that like button on the video it really really helps the channel it helps the podcast grow uh we've got 47 likes on the board right now but there's nearly 200 of you watching um on uh on youtube alone at this moment in time so hit the like button if you haven't done so already let's try and get to 100 likes by the end of the video that's the target that's the ambition that's the objective i know i bang on about it a lot but it really does make the world of difference uh, i wouldn't if it didn't so please do uh hit that like button for me right let's take some of your ratings on gabrielle um cap says uh, gabrielle nine out of ten no question man mountain, great leader could be the captain in years to come. Uh, Kabab Abdi says nine out of ten. He's been incredible. One thing that he has really improved is his passing. Now we have two top centre-backs who can break the lines. Makes our team really dangerous when we're pressed. Agreed. Uh, I, I agree with that. Uh, Don's gone with a nine. Um, Ahmad has gone with a nine as well. Um, Messi's gone with an eight. And he says his only criticism is he needs to control the defensive line to play a high line. Um, Julian's gone with uh, nine and a half. He says he loves his passion and commitment. Um, big hello to Chris Mossing in the chat, and uh, Josh Hunt has given him a nine. As has Callum. Great, uh, brilliant stuff. Right, let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk about Nuno Tavares, the uh, the fullback signed in the summer. And again, this was probably one that people thought was a little bit underwhelming at the time. Although this one maybe was a little bit different because I think it was done with the acceptance of the fact that he was going to play second fiddle to Kieran Tierney. We've lost Kieran Tierney. um, Hopefully he'll be back for the weekend, but we lost him um, at various points last season and couldn't cope with that absence. And I think that that was a lot of the reason why we were undone in the Europa League. I think Mikel maybe overthought it by bringing Granit Xhaka in at left back because not only did he weaken the left back position, Um, By playing someone there who isn't a left back, he weakened the centre of midfield by taking out the player who at the time was our most important midfielder in my eyes. So I think Mikel got that wrong. Um, I I really do. And I think that that scar almost uh, was carried into the summer. And I think as a result of that, he felt the need to bring in a left back. And Nuno, for me, was the perfect profile of left back. Someone who has the ability to go on and become a lot better than he currently is, has plenty of raw talent, has the athleticism and all the physical attributes needed to uh, be a success in the Premier League. But perhaps more encouraging than all of that is that when he's been given the opportunity, he has taken it with both hands. And the fact that going into the game at Anfield on Saturday, some of us are discussing whether or not um, Nuno Tavares should stay in the side ahead of Kieran Tierney is a testament to how brilliantly he's done. So, I'm going to give him an eight. I think there are still some things that he needs to work on. I still think that in some aspects and some elements, he's still a little bit rough around the edges. Um, But I think overall, he's been a really, really positive acquisition. Um, He brings a directness in the way we attack. And we talked, didn't we, about Kieran Tierney maybe being a bit reluctant in recent weeks to try and take people on, to go on the outside of his man, to go beyond defenders. Nuno Tavares, has none of that, you know, he's not never reluctant uh, to take someone on if he feels it's the right thing to do. And what he has that maybe Tini doesn't is that confidence to drive him field onto his right foot as well. And that makes him very, very unpredictable. I always say that defending against someone who can go either way is one of the hardest things to deal with in football. And Nuno Tavares is certainly one of those people. Um, so I'm going to give him an eight. Um, I'm going to give him an eight. I, do I think he could do a little bit better? Do I think his final delivery maybe in the final third could be A little bit better when he does get into those positions, certainly. But I think uh, an eight is a fair uh, rating for him. Uh, Wondering Minstrel has gone with seven. Don's gone uh, eight and a half. Caps has gone uh, six and a half. He says superb going forward, but have worries about him positioning, worried about his positioning defensively at times. Uh, Steve says seven and a half has performed much better than I was expecting, And he's given Mikel Arteta a selection headache. His positioning at times needs improving though. Uh, Josh says eight Sam's gone with a seven and a half says he's been great and very athletic, but needs to work on his delivery. I, I'd agree with that. Um, Omar's gone for an eight, Abdi's gone with an eight and Chris has gone with an eight and a half because it was a steal of a deal. I love that. Uh love that turn of phrase. Right. Uh, let's move on to our final player for the defensive line. And it's Cedric Suarez. Now, I know um, he hasn't played much in the Premier League. He's made three appearances, I think, up until now. I did check this before, by the way, as he wouldn't have made the cut. Um, two starts. Uh, those two starts were the two nil defeat against Chelsea. And the nil defeat at Manchester City. So not ideal games in which to judge Cedric. But listen, I, th- this is the thing for me, OK? And when I talked a lot about Nuno Tavares uh, coming in and filling in for Quirantini and, and doing that role almost seamlessly. And then I talk about Takahiro Tomiyasu coming in and having fit into exactly what it is that Mikel Arteta wants from him. I think this is the opposite can be said for Cedric Suarez. I think Cedric Suarez is a more traditional fullback, likes to bomb up the pitch, likes to go on the outside of people. And I have to say, when he gets into those positions, he's probably got the best delivery and makes the best decisions in the final third out of all the fullbacks that we have at the club. But unfortunately, he doesn't fit into what Mikel Arteta wants from his right back. And that's being able to tuck infield, to become part of a back three when Tierney or Tavares bombs on, to be um someone who provides physical support to Ben White. He 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 doesn't fit into that. And and that's something that You have to be mindful of when judging Cedric Suarez, right? You can't sit there and say that he's been abysmal. You can't sit there and say that he's been awful. I think actually, during his time at Arsenal, he's had a lot of unwarranted criticism. Is he a world beating fullback? No, we know he's not. But also, if you're asking him to play a role that just doesn't suit him, then I would actually go back and question the decision to bring him in in the first place. And I think we've seen with Arsenal that particularly at the start of Mikel Arteta's tenure, there were a few signings like this. Players we brought in to plug holes um, for the short term. But, you know, I would argue giving those guys four-year contracts the way we did with Cedric and the way we did with um, Pablo Marie is 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 where we've gone wrong. And look, Arteta Eddie will learn and they will develop and they will improve in that sense. But I just feel as though... He doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. He was only ever a short-term sign-in, which it makes me question why we we gave him the contract that we did. But there are worse backup left-backs in the league. Hopefully, we don't have to see him too often. Um, But again, just like I said with a lot of players throughout this rating process, I think you have to take into consideration the games he's played. The team were incredibly poor. Didn't have that central defensive pairing of of White and Gabriel uh, to almost lean on, to almost rely on. And um, and I think he's suffered as a result of that, like many players have, who have been on the fringes and on the peripheries of things so far this season. So I'm going to give him a five. I think five is fair. Um, I don't think you can give him less than that because of the circumstances under which he's played. But I don't think you can give him more than that because I don't think he's been um, good, let alone outstanding. Uh, so five out of 10 um, is what Patrick says too. Uh, modern Guna says he's willing to play the fourth fiddle, so six out of ten. Uh, Steve says, um, five out of ten. Chris has gone five and a half. Um, Jonathan wanted to make the point that Cedric was good against Leeds and has given him a seven for that game in particular, but has given him, uh, fives versus, um, Chelsea and City. Ashish has gone with a five as well. Don has gone with a five. There's lots of fives here. It feels like that's probably the general consensus. Omar's gone one lower and gone with a four, but it it feels like the general consensus around Cedric is five. So I feel like I've got that one bang on in comparison uh, to what you guys have to say. Right. uh, That concludes the defensive player ratings. Again, just to reiterate the point, I've only included players that have made three Premier League appearances or more for the Arsenal this season. Um, We're going to be reviewing the midfield and the forwards a little bit later on during an episode with Mike Stavry from Metro Sports. You can join us right here on this channel, 4.30pm UK time, uh, or you can listen to the podcast version of it first thing tomorrow morning. So, uh, yeah, look forward uh, to catching up with you guys a little bit later on and doing some more player ratings. Let me know if you've enjoyed the player ratings thing. I think it's quite... Uh, fun and quite interesting to do when we get these natural breaks and pauses in the season. Um, As much as I love doing this type of content, roll on the bloody football this week because it's been uh, a long wait, hasn't it? We might not be saying that on Saturday if we go and get our asses handed to us at Anfield, but very much looking forward to it at this point anyway especially now that we know that Bamiyang is fit and available. Um, Remember, hit the like button. Let's try and get that 100 likes mark before we leave. We're on 70, but there's nearly 200 of you watching. There's no reason why we can't do that. Like, 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 subscribe to the channel if you're new. I'll be back later on with some more uh, player reviews and I'll be joined by some company for that episode, as I've mentioned. Until then, take care, stay safe and enjoy your Wednesday. All the best.